It is Easter Sunday, and the Lord is risen. We celebrate today the fact that the tomb was empty. And as I was thinking about this, as I was preparing for this Easter message and, and thinking about what I wanted to talk about, you know, I got to thinking about when things are empty, right? And normally when we think about things being empty, it's not a good thing, right? When you go to get the chips and the bag is empty, you go to get the milk and somebody put it back in the fridge with an empty container, or when your gas tank hits empty and gas prices are $4 a gallon. It's not a good thing, right? We think, about it, we think of things being empty, it's a bad thing, whether it's your bank account or your gas tank or whatever it may be. But what we're talking about today is the fact that the tomb was empty. And instead of a sad thing, it's an amazing thing. Because it was the completion, not the completion, but it was the, the kind of climax of the, of the plan that God had put in place. And if it wasn't for that, you and I would not have the hope that Easter brings. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the hope that we gain from Easter, from this day that we celebrate the resurrected Christ. And we're going to look at a story that you may or may not be familiar with because it's not just your typical, uh, your typical Easter story, but we're going to talk about a story of two gentlemen just after Jesus had died and that third day had come. And some of you will be familiar with this. And it comes from the Luke chapter 24. So if you want to open up your Bibles, in just a moment we'll be at Luke chapter 24 talking about the road to Emmaus. Now, before we get started, it, this year has just been crazy. And I think we can all kind of agree with that, that it's been a very odd year. And it's been a very challenging year and a very difficult year for a lot of people. And a lot of people during this year have lost hope. They've lost the hope of what is to come and what the future holds because of the challenges that we've all faced. And for some people, that is the challenge of not, not being able to live life the way they wanted to live life during this pandemic. And this thing's been going on for what feels like forever, but, but it's been well over a year now that we've been dealing with this pandemic. And a lot of people have lost their hope because it's been challenging and it's been difficult. And some people have lost their jobs and some people have lost their homes. And some people are just really struggling with a lot of different aspects of this pandemic, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual. Maybe you haven't gotten to see your family. Maybe you haven't got to hug your loved ones. But, but it's created this situation where we feel like we're losing our hope. And when we lose our hope, it's discouraging, it's depressing, and it just, it hurts. It hurts. And what we're going to be looking at today is how some of Jesus' followers felt when Jesus went to the cross and some of them lost this hope. Now, here's the good news. The good news is God wants you to know that not only do you have hope, but a lot of times that hope is standing right next to you and you don't even know it. You don't even recognize that hope is right there all along. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that that's kind of where we're going with this, is these two guys that are, that are walking back from Jerusalem had lost their hope because Jesus had been crucified. And that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. And when he rose on the third day, he gave us the hope that we could have never found on our own. He gave us the hope that we didn't deserve, but the hope that he gave us because of the love that he had for us. 
So I want to jump into this story, and if you would, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 13. Again, Luke chapter 24, and I want to encourage you to read along with me here, because I think it's powerful to not only hear the word, but to see the word, to read the word, and I want to just talk through this amazing story with you. So again, Luke chapter 24, and again, this is right after Jesus had been crucified, the third day rolls around, and these two gentlemen are walking back home, basically, from Jerusalem. It says, now the same day, two of the men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So here these two guys are, right? And they're walking through the desert, right? On their way home and they're they're having a conversation. It says, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. It says, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I always thought this was a very interesting part of the story because here these these two men had traveled to Jerusalem because they wanted to witness all of these things that were going on. And they wanted to see what was going to happen with this story. Now, here they are, right? They're walking back and Jesus is walking next to them and they don't even know it. I wonder why that is. The Bible doesn't tell us, so I'm going to totally just kind of speculate So don't take this as biblical. This is just my opinion, because we don't really know why they didn't recognize Jesus. But but we we might speculate that because they were in such deep despair... Right? Because they were in this, this mindset of being depressed and of losing their hope, Jesus just wasn't quite ready to reveal himself just yet. But he was right there. That's the part I want you to remember. They didn't recognize him, but he was right there. Let's go ahead and jump ahead to verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? It says they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, I love this because he basically looks at Jesus and goes, Hey, what are you living under a rock? Did you not know what just happened? Have you not been paying attention? What are you doing? They're basically kind of berating Jesus like, Dude, what are you doing? How do you not know what just happened? Everybody knows about this. So you got to remember, they're in this kind of frustrated state, right? They're in this kind of state of depression. And and here this guy comes up basically saying, what are you talking about? What what, what is all this stuff? What is this? Are you living under a rock? Do you not know what's been going on? So he says, what things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So this is kind of ironic as you look at this story, because here we have these two guys basically telling Jesus who he is and what he did. Now think about that. They're actually telling Jesus who he was and what he did. That's just, it's it's a crazy concept to me. So let's go ahead and, and move forward with our story in verse 20. It says, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. It says, and they crucified him. But we had, notice that key word, had, right? It says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They had lost their hope. See, they didn't say we hope. They said we had hoped. These guys have lost their hope. They've lost this hope that we have in the risen Savior because they think it's over and that it didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work out. See, they think that all these things that have been prophesied and all these things have been told were wrong. Imagine how they must have felt. 
on this long seven-mile walk through the desert as they think that Jesus has died and it's just over. But as we continue in our story, it says, after it says, but we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. It says, and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. It says, in addition, some of the women amazed us. It says, they went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. It says, they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Now, of course, this is, this is relating back to the story that we read in the Gospels of, of the women that go to the tomb, right? And they're in despair because, because the tomb is empty and Jesus is not there. And they're not sure if somebody had stole the body or what was going on. And if you remember from that story, they didn't recognize Jesus either. They thought he was the gardener. They thought he was the gardener. So they didn't recognize him at first either, just like the two gentlemen in our story. So let's pick up in verse 23. It says, but didn't find his body. It says, they came and told us what they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. It says, then some of our our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So now, right, the tables have kind of turned. Earlier, they were basically looking at Jesus going, what are you, what are you, living under a rock? What are you doing? And now it's Jesus' turn to say back to them, what are you, foolish? Do you really have that little faith that you don't believe in those things that were prophesied to you? He's saying, what is wrong with you guys? What are you doing? Now remember, they don't know that it's Jesus yet. So guys, let's just be honest with ourselves here. The women were right. If you're here with your wife or or your girlfriend or your spouse, just go ahead and turn to them right now and say, the women were right. For those of you who are married, you get that. We have to get used to saying that over and over and over. Honey, you were right. Right? And for those of you who are not married, take this as a marriage tip. Just get used to saying, you're right, dear. Because we know the saying, right? Happy wife, happy life. So, but in all seriousness, the women were right. Jesus wasn't there. He was risen. Now, women play a very powerful, a very powerful part in this story. Now, we didn't read the story of the women going to the tomb, Right? But we know that the women were the first to to see that Jesus was not there. He was risen. And they also got to be the ones that got to rush back to town to tell everybody else, Jesus has risen. So the women were spot on. And they were used in a very powerful way. Let's go ahead and continue with our story. Verse 26 says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? It says, at the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So now Jesus is is just, he's teaching them. He's preaching to them. He's explaining to them all of these things. And again, ironic that he's talking about himself. And it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. So we know that that Jesus had to die. We know that Jesus had to suffer. 
And, and we read all the way back in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, right? When we read the story of the suffering servant, and, and we don't have time to, to get into that too deeply this morning, but you're welcome to go back and read that at your convenience. But way back in Isaiah 53, we knew that Jesus was going to have to suffer and die for our sins. But why? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Jesus was the one perfect person. Why did he have to suffer instead of us? He suffered because he loves us so much. He didn't do it because we deserved it. He didn't do it because we were worthy of it. He did it because he loved us so much that he was willing to suffer and die so that we might have our everlasting life. It always, it always hits me kind of hard when I, when I think about what Jesus has done. When you think about when Jesus went to the cross, a major part of the people that he came to save still didn't even believe who he was and wanted him dead. Yet he still loved us enough to go to the cross for us. He was willing to die and to pay that price that you and I deserved because he loves us so very much. Think about that just for a second. If Jesus hadn't have gone to the cross for us, if Jesus hadn't have been the sacrifice for you and me, think about that. We would be held accountable for everything that we have ever done. And that would not put us in a very good place, which just makes it all that much more powerful of what Jesus did for us so that we could be forgiven and so that evil in the world could be conquered. If we jump ahead to verse 29, we see that it says, But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. It says the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. So remember in our last verse, Jesus was going to just keep on walking. And they basically said, hey, uh, you know, why don't you stick around for a little while? Because they'd been having this really good conversation with him. They'd, been, they'd traveled quite a distance and they invited Jesus in to sit with them. And then it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. We see this, this idea of breaking bread. And we know this, this, this concept of breaking bread is very, very important. And we see it throughout scripture. But there's just something powerful that happens when you sit down at the table with folks and you share a meal with them. But I love the fact that, he, that, that Luke is specific to say that Jesus broke the bread and served them. And then I love what happens after he breaks the bread. It says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? on the road, and opened the scriptures to us? I love the fact that Jesus broke the bread, and suddenly their eyes were opened. Suddenly they realized who they'd been walking and talking with this whole time was Jesus. I'll bet that was an interesting epiphany when they realized that that was Jesus and how they had talked to him. But their eyes were opened. Have you, ever, have you ever had the chance to be with somebody when their eyes were open to Jesus? Have you ever had the opportunity to be with someone when they decided to give their life to Christ? It's an amazing feeling. And when I see this, I, I think of Paul's conversion. 
We know that Paul was converted on the road, and we, and we know that, that he was blinded. And then shortly thereafter, the scales fell from his eyes. And he became one of the most powerful authors, disciples of Jesus. But these guys had an eye-opening experience. They had an eye-opening experience. They, they'd been hanging out with him for we don't know how long, but for quite some time as they walked and they talked. And now as they sat down to dinner, and all of a sudden they went, oh, wait. It's Jesus after all. In verse 33, it says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Now, it'd be really easy to just gloss over that verse and go, okay, so they went back. But let's think about this. They had just walked seven miles through the desert to get to Emmaus. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, let's walk seven miles back to Jerusalem through the desert. I can barely get my kid to walk from his bedroom to the car, but these guys walked seven miles through the desert, right, in order to go back because they are so excited about what they've just seen. It says that their hearts burned when they heard the scriptures. Do our hearts still burn when we hear the scriptures? Do we still get that excited about the good news of Jesus? Or have we just been in Christ for so long that we're like, yeah, whatever. I love that it says their hearts burned as he shared the scriptures with them. And I hope and pray that our hearts still burn when we hear the scriptures and when we spend time in the word and when we study. Because it should. Because it's that important. So we see that. And I apologize, this clicker is just not doing what I want it to do. It says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. It says, there they found the 11 and those with them and (laughs) assembled together. So he goes out and he finds the apostles, right? We know it's the 11 apostles at this point, right? Because because Judas has just betrayed Christ, right? And Paul hasn't yet come on the scene. So we know it's the 11. But they, they ran back seven miles through the desert. Seven miles through the desert so that they could tell people, hey, it's true, Jesus is alive. We just saw him. He just walked with us. Are we that excited to share Jesus with others? Are we that excited? Do we invite people to services? Do we offer to to share the good news of Jesus with them? Are we that excited that we're going to walk seven miles through the desert to celebrate with people about Jesus Christ? I hope that we are. I hope that we are. But it says, saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. It says, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So they, they were so excited because now they had hope. See, we read earlier, said they had hope, past tense. Well, now they have hope again. This journey that they had just made, which ends up being 14 miles, right, has given them back the hope that they so desperately needed. I want to look at another passage of Scripture with you this morning, and this comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. So if you would, flip with me over to Romans. It's a short turn in the Bible, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. I want to share this with you, and this is a Scripture that I want to leave you with this morning. So I think it really drives home this point about what Jesus has done for us. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
It says, we have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that peace word, right? Because peace and hope go hand in hand. It says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. It says, and hope does not put us to shame. It says, because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So we just talked about this a moment ago, right? Christ died for a world in which most of the people did not even believe in him. But he did it anyway. As we pick up in verse 7, it says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to die. It says, But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's such a powerful verse. Such a powerful passage about what Jesus did for us. Again, not because we were willing, not because we deserved it, but only because he loves us so very much. So what do we learn from this? What do do we take with us from this today? We've got to accept this good news. We've got to accept into our hearts this good news of Jesus Christ. And the fact that just as it had been prophesied, he came to the earth, he lived as a man, and he died for you and me, and he rose on the third day. And that's what we celebrate today as we celebrate Easter. It's a time of family and fun and food, but it's also a time to remember the fact that the tomb is empty. And that's what gives us hope. We've got to know that we're not alone Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that Jesus just isn't there and he's just not listening and he's not hearing your prayers and you're just not seeing him? Just like the two guys that we talked about today, Cleophas and his friend, Jesus was there the whole time. They just didn't see it. They didn't recognize that he was right there the whole time. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I felt like I didn't, I'm just, I'm not seeing Jesus. Why am I not seeing Jesus? And as I reflect on those times, and as I think through those times, it's usually on me. It's usually because I'm not spending enough time in the Word, and I'm not spending enough time in prayer. He never leaves us. He's always there. We just have to know and have courage and have hope to know that he is always right next to us. We can't lose that hope. We need to hold on, and this is what I want to leave you with today. we got to hold on to that hope that we have at Easter, that hope of our resurrected Savior, because there is no greater hope that you and I could have. I don't know where this pandemic is going. I don't know when this pandemic is going to end. I hope it's soon. 
But I've got the hope and the encouragement that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I have that, that gives me the hope that's going to see me through this thing, whether it's another six months or another six years. I've got hope. And I have that hope because Jesus died for me. Painfully and suffering, he died for me, and he rose on the third day. Just had been prophesied, just as he had taught. He rose on the third day, and that tomb is empty, and that gives me hope. Maybe this morning you've, you've lost your hope. Maybe this morning you just aren't feeling that hope. Maybe you're not feeling Jesus walking beside you. We would love to talk with you. We would love to pray for you. In just a moment, uh, we're going to sing another song, and you'll have the opportunity to, to come forward, and we would love to talk with you, to pray with you, and to help you in any way that we can. Or maybe you've never been baptized into Christ. Maybe you've never been baptized for the remission of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and to receive that hope that we can only find in Jesus Christ. If that's something that's on your heart this morning, we want to encourage you to come forward. We would love to assist you in being baptized into Christ this morning as we stand together and as we sing. been a great day today. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his example of being a giver, Father, that he gave himself so that we can learn to give ourselves. That, Father, he was rich and but became poor for our sake. And that, Father, that we can follow that example and we can free ourselves to become better givers of our time, better givers of our money, better givers of ourselves. And Father, we also want to ask that you dismiss us in grace and peace, that you continue to bless this congregation, other congregations around the world. Father, we pray, pray that you bless every single family, every single individual, every single marriage. Father, we just pray that you bless this church for it to become everything that you intend for it to be. And it's in Christ's name. Amen.
Still your love far for me 